Chapter Fourteen of Allan and the Holy Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Allan and the Holy Flower by H. Rider Haggard. Chapter Fourteen, The Kalubi's Oath. Be silent, I whispered, and all understood my tone if they did not catch the words. Then, steadying myself with an effort, for this hideous vision, which might have been a picture from hell, made me feel faint. I glanced at Komba, who was a pace or two in front of us. Evidently he was much disturbed, the motions of his back told me this, by the sense of some terrible mistake that he had made. For a moment he stood still, then wheeled around and asked me if we had seen anything. Yes, I answered indifferently. We saw a number of men gathered round a fire. Nothing more. He tried to search our faces, but luckily the great moon, now almost at her full, was hidden behind a thick cloud, so that he could not read them well. I heard him sigh in relief as he said, "'The Kalubi and the headmen are cooking a sheep. It is their custom to feast together on those nights when the moon is about to change. Follow me, white lords.' Then he led us round the end of the long shed at which we did not even look, and through the garden on its farther side to the two fine huts I have mentioned. Here he clapped his hands and a woman appeared, I know not whence. To her he whispered something. She went away and presently returned with four or five other women who carried clay lamps filled with oil in which floated a wick of palm fibre. These lamps were set down in the huts that proved to be very clean and comfortable places, furnished after a fashion with wooden stools and a kind of low table of which the legs were carved to the shape of antelope's feet. Also there was a wooden platform at the end of the hut whereon lay beds covered with mats and stuffed with some soft fibre. "'Here you may rest safe,' he said. "'For white lords, are you not the honoured guests of the Pongo people? "'Presently food,' I shuddered at the word, "'will be brought to you, and after you have eaten well, "'if it is your pleasure, the Kalubi and his councillors "'will receive you in yonder feast-house, "'and you can talk with them before you sleep. "'If you need aught, strike upon that jar with a stick.' and he pointed to what looked like a copper cauldron that stood in the garden of the hut near the place where the women were already lighting a fire. And some will wait on you. Look, here are your goods, none are missing, and here comes water in which you may wash. Now I must go to make report to the Kalubi. And with a courteous bow he departed. So, after a while, did the silent, handsome women, to fetch our meal, I understood one of them to say, and at length we were alone. "'My aunt,' said Stephen, fanning himself with his pocket-handkerchief, "'did you see that lady toasting? "'I have often heard of cannibals, those slaves, for instance, "'but the actual business. "'Oh, my aunt! "'It's no use addressing your absent aunt if you've got one. "'What did you expect if you would insist on coming to a hell like this?' "'I asked gloomily. "'Can't say, old fellow. "'Don't trouble myself much with expectations, as a rule. "'That's why I and my poor old father never could get on. "'I always quoted the text.' Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof to him. Until at length he sent for the family Bible and ruled it out with red ink and a rage. But I say, do you think that we will be called upon to understudy St. Lawrence on that grid? Certainly I do, I replied, and, as old Babemba warned you, you can't complain. Oh, but I will, and I can. And so will you, won't you, Brother John? Brother John woke up from a reverie and stroked his long beard. Since you ask me, Mr. Summers, he said reflectively, if it were a case of martyrdom for the faith, like that of the saint to whom you have alluded, I should not object, at any rate in theory. 
but i confess that speaking from a secular point of view i have the strongest dislike to being cooked and eaten by these very disagreeable savages still i see no reason to suppose that we shall fall victim to their domestic customs i being in a depressed mood was about to argue to the contrary when hans poked his head into the hut and said dinner coming boss very fine dinner so we went out into the garden where the tall impassive ladies were arranging many wooden dishes on the ground now the moon was clear of clouds and by its brilliant light we examined their contents some were cooked meat covered with a kind of sauce that made its nature indistinguishable as a matter of fact i believe it was mutton but who can say others were evidently of a vegetable nature for instance there was a whole platterful of roasted mealy cobs and a great boiled pumpkin to say nothing of some bowls of curdled milk regarding this feast i became aware of a sudden and complete conversion to those principles of vegetarianism which brother john was always preaching to me i am sure you are quite right i said to him nervously and holding that vegetables are the best diet in a hot climate at any rate i have made up my mind to try the experiment for a few days and throwing manners to the winds i grabbed four of the upper mealy cobs and the top of the pumpkin which i cut off with a knife somehow i did not seem to fancy that portion of it which touched the platter for who knew what those dishes might have contained and how often they were washed stephen also appeared to have found salvation on this point for he too patronized the mealy cobs and the pumpkin so did mavovo and so did even that inveterate meat-eater hans only the simple jerry tackled the flesh-pots of egypt or rather pongo land with appetite and declared that they were good i think that he being the last of us through the gateway had not realized what it was that lay upon the grid at length we finished our simple meal when you are very hungry it takes a long time to fill oneself with squashy pumpkin which is why i suppose ruminants and other grazing animals always seem to be eating and washed it down with water in preference to the sticky-looking milk which we left to the natives alan said brother john to me in a low voice as we lit our pipes that man who stood with his back to us in front of the gridiron was the kalubi against the firelight i saw the gap in his hand where i cut away the finger well if we want to get any further you must cultivate him i answered but the question is shall we get further than that grid i believe we have been trapped here to be eaten before brother john could reply comba arrived and after inquiring whether our appetites had been good intimated that the kalubi and the headmen were ready to receive us so off we went with the exception of jerry whom we left to watch our things taking with us the presents we had prepared komba led us to the feast-house where the fire-pit was out or had been covered over and the grid and its horrible burden had disappeared also now all the mats were rolled up so that the clear moonlight flowed into and illuminated the place seated in a semicircle on wooden stools with their faces towards the gateway were the kalubi who occupied the centre and eight councillors all of them grey-haired men this kalubi was a tall thin individual of middle age with i think the most nervous countenance that i ever saw his features twitched continually and his hands were never still the eyes too as far as i could see them in that light were full of terrors he rose and bowed but the councillors remained seated, greeting us with a long-continued and soft clapping of the hands, which, it seemed, was the Pongo method of salute. We bowed in answer, then seated ourselves on three stools that had been placed for us, Brother John occupying the middle stool. Mavovo and Hans stood behind us, the latter supporting himself with his large bamboo stick. 
as soon as these preliminaries were over the kalubi called upon komba whom he addressed in formal language as you who have passed the god and you the kalubi to be i thought i saw him wince as he said these words to give an account of his mission and of how it came that they had the honour of seeing the white lords there komba obeyed after addressing the kalubi with every possible title of honour such as absolute monarch master whose feet i kiss he whose eyes are fire and whose tongue is a sword he at whose nod people die lord of the sacrifice first taster of the sacred meat beloved of the gods here the kalubi shrank as though he had been pricked with a spear second to none on earth save the motombo the most holy the most ancient who comes from heaven and speaks with the voice of heaven etc etc he gave a clear but brief account of all that had happened in the course of his mission to beza town especially did he narrate how in obedience to a message which he had received from the motombo he had invited the white lords to pongo land and even accepted them as envoys from the mzitu when none would respond to king bausi's invitation to fill that office only he had stipulated that they should bring with them none of their magic weapons which vomited out smoke and death as the motombo had commanded at this information the expressive countenance of the kalubi once more betrayed mental disturbance that i think komba noted as much as we did however he said nothing and after a pause komba went on to explain that no such weapons had been brought since not satisfied with our word that this was so he and his companions had searched our baggage before we left mzitu land therefore he added there was no cause to fear that we should bring about the fulfilment of the old prophecy that when a gun was fired among the pongo the gods would desert the land and the people cease to be a people having finished his speech he sat down in a humble place behind us then the kalubi after formally accepting us as ambassadors from bausi king of the mazitu discoursed at length upon the advantages which would result to both peoples from a lasting peace between them finally he propounded the articles of such a peace these it was clear had been carefully prepared but to set them out would be useless since they never came to anything and i doubt whether it was intended that they should suffice it to say that they provided for intermarriage free trade between the countries blood brotherhood and other things that i have forgotten all of which was to be ratified by bausi taking a daughter of the kalubi to wife and the kalubi taking a daughter of bausi we listened in silence and when he had finished after a pretended consultation between us i spoke as the mouth of brother john who i explained was too grand a person to talk himself saying that the proposal seemed fair and reasonable and that we should be happy to submit them to bausi and his council on our return the kalubi expressed great satisfaction at this statement but remarked incidentally that first of all the whole matter must be laid before the motombo for his opinion without which no state transaction had legal weight among the pongo he added that with our approval he proposed that we should visit his holiness on the morrow starting when the sun was three hours old as he lived at a distance of a day's journey from rica after further consultation we replied that although we had little time to spare as we understood that the motombo was old and could not visit us we the white lords would stretch a point and call on him meanwhile we were tired and wished to go to bed then we presented our gifts which were gracefully accepted with an intimation that return presents would be made to us before we left pongo land after this the kalubi took a little stick and broke it to intimate that the conference was at an end 
and having bade him and his councillors good-night, we retired to our huts. I should add, because it has bearing on subsequent events, that on this occasion we were escorted, not by Komba, but by two of the councillors. Komba, as I noted for the first time when we rose to say good-bye, was no longer present at the council. When he left it I cannot say, since it will be remembered that his seat was behind us in the shadow, and none of us saw him go. "'What do you make of all that?' I asked the others when the door was shut. Brother John merely shook his head and said nothing, for in those days he seemed to be living in a kind of dreamland. Stephen answered, "'Bosh! Tommy-rot! All my eye and my elbow! Those man-eating Johnnies have some game up their wide sleeves, and whatever it may be, it isn't peace for the Mazitu.' "'I agree,' I said. "'If the real object were peace, they would have haggled more, stood out for better terms, or hostages, or something.' Also, they would have got the consent of this Motombo beforehand. Clearly, he is the master of the situation, not the Kalubi, who was only his tool. If business were meant, he should have spoken first, always supposing that he exists and isn't a myth. However, if we live, we shall learn, and if we don't, it doesn't matter. Though personally, I think we should be wise to leave Motombo alone and clear out to Mazituland by the first canoe tomorrow morning. I intend to visit this Motombo, broke in Brother John with decision. "'Ditto! Ditto!' exclaimed Stephen. "'But it's no use arguing that all over again.' "'No,' I replied with irritation. "'It is, as you remark, of no use arguing with lunatics. "'So let's go to bed, as it will probably be our last to have a good night's sleep.' "'Hear, hear!' said Stephen, taking off his coat and placing it doubled up on the bed to serve as a pillow. "'I say,' he added, "'stand clear a minute while I shake this blanket. "'It's covered with bits of something.' And he suited the action to the word." "'Bits of something?' I said suspiciously. "'Why didn't you wait a minute to let me see them? I didn't notice any bits before.' "'Rats running about the roof, I expect,' said Stephen carelessly. Not being satisfied, I began to examine this roof and the clay walls, which I forgot to mention were painted over in a kind of pattern with whirls in it by the feeble light of the primitive lamps. While I was thus engaged, there was a knock on the door. Forgetting all about the dust, I opened it, and Hans appeared.' "'One of these man-eating devils wants to speak to you, boss. Mavovo keeps him without.' "'Let him in,' I said, since in this place fearlessness seemed our best game. But watch well while he is with us.' Hans whispered a word over his shoulder, and next moment a tall man wrapped from head to foot in white cloth, so that he looked like a ghost, came or rather shot into the hut, and closed the door behind him. "'Who are you?' I asked. By way of answer he lifted or unwrapped the cloth from his face.' I saw that the Kalubi himself stood before us. "'I wish to speak alone with the white lord Dogita,' he said in a hoarse voice, "'and it must be now, since afterwards it will be impossible.' Brother John rose and looked at him. "'How are you, Kalubi, my friend?' he asked. "'I see that your wound has healed well.' "'Yes, yes, but I would speak with you alone.' "'Not so,' replied Brother John. "'If you have anything to say, you must say it to all of us, or leave it unsaid.' since these lords and I are one, and that which I hear, they hear. Can I trust them? muttered the Kalubi. As you can trust me, therefore speak or go. Yet first, can we be overheard in this hut? No, Dogita. The walls are thick. There is no one on the roof, for I have looked all round, and if any strove to climb there, we should hear. Also your men who watch the door would see them. None can hear us save, perhaps, the gods." "'Then we will risk the gods, Kalubi. Go on, my brothers know your story.' "'My lords,' he began, rolling his eyes about him like a hunted creature, "'I am in a terrible pass. 
once since i saw you dogeetah i should have visited the white god that dwells in the forest on the mountain yonder to scatter the sacred seed but i feigned to be sick and komba the kalubi to be who has passed the god went in my place and returned unharmed now to-morrow the night of the full moon as kalubi i must visit the god again and once more scatter the seed and dogeetah he will kill me whom he has once bitten he will certainly kill me unless i can kill him then komba will rule as kalubi in my stead and he will kill you in a way you can guess by the hot death as a sacrifice to the gods that the women of the pongo may once more become the mothers of many children yes yes unless we can kill the god who dwells in the forest we must all die and he paused trembling while the sweat dropped from him to the floor that's pleasant said brother john but supposing that we kill the god how would that help us or you to escape from the matombo and those murdering people of yours surely they would slay us for the sacrilege not so dogeetah if the god dies the matombo dies it is known from of old and therefore the matombo watches over the god as a mother over her child then until a new god is found the mother of the holy flower rules she who is merciful and will harm none and i rule under her and will certainly put my enemies to death especially that wizard komba here i thought i heard a faint sound in the air like the hiss of a snake but as it was not repeated and i could see nothing concluded that i was mistaken moreover he went on i will load you with gold dust and any gifts you may desire and set you safe across the water among your friends the mazitu look here i broke in let us understand matters clearly and john do you translate to stephen now friend kalubi first of all who and what is this god you talk of lord macumazahan he is a huge ape white with age or born white i know not which he is twice as big as any man and stronger than twenty men whom he can break in his hands as i break a reed or whose heads he can bite off in his mouth as he bit off my finger for a warning for well, that is how he treats the kalubis when he wearies of them first he bites off a finger and lets them go and next he breaks them like a reed as also he breaks those who are doomed to sacrifice before the fire ah i said a great ape i thought as much well and how long has this brute been a god among you i do not know how long from the beginning he was always there as the matombo was always there for they are one that's a lie anyway i said in english then went on and who is this mother of the holy flower is she also there and does she live in the same place as the ape god not so lord macumazahan she dies like other mortals and is succeeded by one who takes her place thus the present mother is a white woman of your race now of middle age when she dies she will be succeeded by her daughter who is also a white woman and very beautiful after she dies another who is white will be found perhaps one who is of black parents but born white how old is this daughter interrupted brother john in a curiously intent voice and who is her father the daughter was born over twenty years ago dogeetah after the mother of the flower was captured and brought here she says that the father was a white man to whom she was married but who is dead brother john's head dropped upon his chest and his eyes shut as though he had gone to sleep as for where the mother lives went on the kalubi 
it is on the island in the lake at the top of the mountain that is surrounded by water she has nothing to do with a white god but those women who serve her go across the lake at times to tend the fields where grows the seed that the kalubi sows of which the corn is the white god's food good i said now we understand not much but a little tell us next what is your plan how are we to come into the place where this great ape lives and if we come there how are we to kill the beast seeing that your successor komba was careful to prevent us from bringing our firearms to your land ay lord macumazahan may the teeth of the god meet in his brain for that trick yes he may die as i know how to make him die that prophecy of which he told you is no prophecy from of old it arose in the land within the last moon only though whether it came from komba or from the mutombo i know not none save myself or at least very few here had heard of the iron tubes that throw out death so how should there be a prophecy concerning them i am sure i don't know kalubi but answer the rest of the question as to your coming into the forest for the white god lives in a forest on the slopes of the mountain lords that will be easy since the motombo and the people will believe that i am trapping you there to be a sacrifice such as they desire for sundry reasons and he looked at the plump stephen in a very suggestive way as to how you are to kill the god without your tubes of iron i do not know but you are very brave and great magicians surely you can find a way here brother john seemed to wake up again yes he said we shall find a way have no fear of that o kalubi we are not afraid of the big ape whom you call a god yet it must be at a price we will not kill this beast and try to save your life save at a price what price asked the kalubi nervously there are wives and cattle no you do not want the wives and the cattle cannot be taken across the lake there are gold dust and ivory i have already promised these and there is nothing more that i can give the price is o kalubi that you hand over to us to be taken away the white woman who is called the mother of the holy flower with her daughter and interrupted stephen to whom i had been interpreting the holy flower itself all of it dug up by the roots when he heard these modest requests the poor kalubi became like one upon the verge of madness do you understand he gasped do you understand that you are asking for the gods of my country quite replied brother john with calmness for the gods of your country nothing more nor less the kalubi made as though he would fly from the hut but i caught him by the arm and said see friends things are thus you ask us at great danger to ourselves to kill one of the gods of your country the highest of them in order to save your life well in payment we ask you to make a present of the remaining gods of your country and to see us and them safe across the lake do you accept or refuse no refuse answered the kalubi sullenly to accept would mean the last curse upon my spirit that is too horrible to tell and to refuse means the first curse upon your body namely that in a few hours it must be broken and chewed by a great monkey which you call a god yes broken and chewed and afterwards i think cooked and eaten as a sacrifice is it not so the kalubi nodded his head and groaned yet i went on for our part we are glad that you have refused since now we shall be rid of a troublesome and dangerous business and return safely to mazitu land 
how will you return in safety o lord macumazahan you who are doomed to the hot death if you escape the fangs of the god very easily o kalubi by telling komba the kalubi to be of your plots against this god of yours and how we have refused to listen to your wickedness in fact i think this may be done at once while you are here with us o kalubi where perhaps you do not expect to be found i will go strike upon the pot without the door doubtless though it is late some will hear nay man stand you still we have knives and our servants have spears and i made as though to pass him lord he said i will give you the mother of the holy flower and her daughter i and the holy flower itself dug up by the roots and i swear that if i can i will set you and them safe across the lake only asking that i may come with you since here i dare not stay yet the curse will come too but if so it is better to die of a curse in a day to be than to-morrow at the fangs of the god oh why was i born why was i born and he began to weep that is a question many have asked and none have been able to answer o friend kalubi though mayhap there is an answer somewhere i replied in a kind voice for my heart was stirred with pity of this poor wretch mazed and lost in his hell of superstition this potentate who could not escape from the trappings of a hateful power save by the door of a death too horrible to contemplate this priest whose doom it was to be slain by the very hands of his god as those who went before him had been slain and those who came after him would be slain yet i went on i think you have chosen wisely and we hold you to your word while you are faithful to us we will say nothing but of this be sure that if you attempt to betray us we who are not so helpless as we seem will betray you and it shall be you who die not us is it a bargain it is a bargain white lord though blame me not if things go wrong since the gods know all and they are devils who delight in human woe and mock at bargains and torment those who would injure them yet come what will i swear to keep faith with you thus by the oath that may not be broken and drawing a knife from his girdle he thrust out the tip of his tongue and pricked it from the puncture a drop of blood fell to the floor if i break my oath he said may my flesh grow cold as that blood grows cold and may it rot as that blood rots ay and may my spirit waste and be lost in the world of ghosts as that blood wastes into the air and is lost in the dust of the world it was a horrible scene and one that impressed me very much especially as even then there fell upon me a conviction that this unfortunate man was doomed that a fate which he could not escape was upon him we said nothing and in another moment he had thrown his white wrappings over his face and slipped through the door i am afraid we are playing it rather low down on that jumpy old boy said stephen remorsefully the white woman the white woman and her daughter muttered brother john yes reflected stephen aloud one is justified in doing anything to get two white women out of this hell if they exist so one may as well have the orchid also for they'd be lonely without it poor things wouldn't they glad i thought of that it's soothing to the conscience i hope you'll find it so when we're all on that iron grid which i notice is wide enough for three i remarked sarcastically now be quiet i want to go to sleep i am sorry to have to add that for the most of that night want remained my master but if i couldn't sleep i could or rather was obliged to think and i thought very hard indeed
first i reflected on the pongo and their gods what were these and why did they worship them soon i gave it up remembering that the problem was one which applied equally to dozens of the dark religions of this vast african continent to which none could give an answer and least of all their votaries that answer indeed must be sought in the horrible fears of the unenlightened human heart which sees death and terror and evil around it everywhere and in this grotesque form or in that personifies them in gods or rather in devils who must be appropriated for always the fetish or the beast or whatever it might be is not the real object of worship it is only the thing or creature which is inhabited by the spirit of the god or devil the temple as it were that furnishes it with a home which temple is therefore holy and these spirits are diverse representing sundry attributes or qualities thus the great ape might be satan a prince of evil and blood the holy flower might symbolize fertility and the growth of the food of man from the bosom of the earth the mother of the flower might represent mercy and goodness for which reason it was necessary that she should be white in colour and dwell not in the shadowed forest but on a soaring mountain a figure of light in short as opposed to darkness or she might be a kind of african ceres a goddess of the corn and harvest which were symbolized in the beauteous bloom she tended who could tell not i either then or afterwards for i never found out as for the pongo themselves their case was obvious they were a dying tribe the last descendants of some higher race grown barren from intermarriage probably too they were at first only cannibals occasionally and from religious reasons then in some time of dearth they became very religious in that respect and the habit overpowered them among cannibals at any rate in africa as i knew this dreadful food is much preferred to any other meat i had not the slightest doubt that although the kalubi himself had brought us here in the wild hope that we might save him from a terrible death at the hands of the beelzebub he served komba and the councillors inspired thereto by the prophet called Matombo, designed that we should be murdered and eaten as an offering to the gods how were we to escape this fate being unarmed i could not imagine unless some special protection were vouchsafed to us meanwhile we must go on to the end whatever it might be brother john or to give him his right name the reverend john eversley was convinced that the white woman imprisoned on the mountain was none other than the lost wife for whom he had searched for twenty weary years and that the second white woman of whom he had heard that night was strange as it might seem her daughter and his own perhaps he was right and perhaps he was wrong but even in the latter case if two white persons were really languishing in this dreadful land our path was clear we must go on in faith until we saved them or until we died our life is granted not in pleasures round or even love's sweet dream to lapse content duty and faith are words of solemn sound and to their echoes must the soul be bent as some one or other once wrote very nobly i think well there was but little of pleasures round about the present entertainment and any hope of love's sweet dream seemed to be limited to brother john here i was quite mistaken as i so often am perhaps the echoes would be my share indeed i already seemed to hear their ominous thunder at last i did go to sleep and dreamed a very curious dream it seemed to me that i was disembodied although i retained all my powers of thought and observation in fact dead and yet alive in this state i hovered over the people of the pongo who were gathered together on a great plain under an inky sky 
They were going about their business as usual, and very unpleasant business it often was. Some of them were worshipping a dim form that I knew was the devil, some were committing murders, some were feasting, at that on which they feasted I would not look. Some were labouring or engaged in barter, some were thinking. But I, who had the power of looking into them, saw that within the breast of each a tiny likeness of the man or woman or child as it might be, humbly bent upon its knees with hands together in an attitude of prayer, and with imploring tear-stained face looking upwards to the black heaven. Then in that heaven there appeared a single star of light, and from this star flowed lines of gentle fire that spread and widened till all the immense arc was one flame of glory, and now from the pulsing heart of the glory, which somehow reminded me of moving lips, fell countless flakes of snow, each of which followed an appointed path till it lit upon the forehead of one of the tiny imploring figures hidden within those savage breasts, and made it white and clean. Then the glory shrank and faded, till there remained of it only the similitude of two transparent hands stretched out as though in blessing, and I woke up wondering how on earth I found the fancy to invent such a vision, and wonder whether it meant anything or nothing. Afterwards I repeated it to Brother John, who was a very spiritually minded as well as good man, the two things are often quite different, and asked him to be kind enough to explain. At the time he shook his head, but some days later he said to me, "'I think I have read your riddle, Alan. The answer came to me quite of a sudden. In all those sin-stained hearts there is a seed of good, and an aspiration towards the right. For every one of them also there is a last mercy and forgiveness, since how could they learn who never had a teacher? Your dream, Alan, was one of the ultimate redemption of even the most evil of mankind.' by gift of the grace that shall one day glow through the blackness of the night in which they wander. That is what he said, and I only hope that he was right, since at present there is something very wrong with the world, especially in Africa. Also we blame the blind savage for many things, but on the balance are we so much better, considering our light and opportunities? Oh, the truth is that the devil, a very convenient word that, is a good fisherman. He has a large book full of flies of different sizes and colours, and well he knows how to suit them to each particular fish. But white or black, every fish takes one fly or the other, and then comes to the question, is the fish that has swallowed the big gaudy lure so much worse or more foolish than that which has fallen to the delicate white moth with the same sharp barb in its tail? In short, are we not all miserable sinners, as the prayer-book says, and in the eyes of any judge who can average up the elemental differences of those waters wherein we are bred and called upon to swim, is there so much to choose between us? Do we not all need those outstretched hands of mercy which I saw in my dream? But there, there, what right has a poor old hunter to discuss things that are too high for him? End of chapter 14